We had one really great question for Fan Mail Friday that asked about our young guys and wanted to compare our young guys to the other young guys from other organizations. So on this episode, we're going to do just that. Let's talk about it. It's time to get Locked On with Mike and John, and this is Locked On Angels. You are Locked On Angels, your daily Los Angeles Angels podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Angels your first listen of the day. You can find us anywhere you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SiriusXM by searching Locked On Angels. And do you want to give back to the Super Halo Bros for all this angel content? Of course you do. Here's how you can help us out. Leave us a rate and a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, five stars, five stars, please. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that thumbs up button. And if you're not subscribed, hit that subscription button. Become a Locked On Everydayer with us. And whether you're watching or listening, come over to YouTube, leave a comment. We would love to hear from you. It's one of the best ways to get in touch with us and be a part of the conversation. Thank you for being here for this Fan Mail Friday edition of Locked On Angels, where it's your team every day. You've got the Frisch Brothers here with you, a.k.a. the Super Halo Bros. My name is John, and that's my brother Mike. And my name is Mike, and that's my brother John. Hey, we're wrapping up the uh, second season, actually going into our second offseason with you here at Locked On Angels. Can't believe it's almost been two years that we've been doing Lockdown Angels, and we're happy to be talking Angels baseball every single Monday through Friday with you. Thank you for being a Lockdown Everydayer with us. And like Mike said, if you're not, tune in every single day. We love having you. We love hearing from you. And if you're on the YouTube side, hit that thumbs up, hit that subscription button. And on the audio side as well, you can subscribe and make sure that you get in our listens and in our views every single day. Mike, on today's show, it is a Fan Mail Friday, but it's a little bit different than normal. And the reason why is because we had such an incredible question that required a nice deep dive into the stats, into the metrics, into the data. And the reason why we're doing this is because Steve Wu 5606 on YouTube had a great question for us. He said, how does our team of young guys compare to other teams with a young roster like the Arizona Diamondbacks? And I even kind of extended that to the Orioles and how successful they were this season. Uh, so if we take a look at our young guys that we're excited about, Logan Ohapi, Zach Neto, Chase Silseth, those guys. Uh, how do they compare to some of the young studs around the league, like the Diamondbacks and the Orioles? So, Mike, I think it would be a great idea to start at the catcher position okay. with a guy that we're really looking forward to seeing have a full, healthy season in 2024. Let's start by comparing Logan Ohapi to two other young catchers, Gabrielle Marino from the Diamondbacks, and Adley Rutschman, of course, from the Orioles. Mike, let's talk about the offensive side first. Why don't you get into that for us? Marina had a great year. Not Artie, Gabrielle. Yeah. <laughs> Gabriel. Uh, he, he had a really, is it Gabrielle or Gabriel? I think it's Gabrielle. Okay, I like. Yeah. I want to make sure I say it right. Or so, Gabby so, Marino. I hear Gabby Marino all the time. Let's call him Gabby. Um, so Artie's cousin. Uh, he had a <laughs> he had a really great year. Twenty three years old, one hundred eleven games, thirty three runs scored, ninety seven hits. Johnny had almost twenty doubles. He had a triple, seven home runs, fifty RBIs, and six stolen bases. Twenty nine walks, seventy five strikeouts. Pretty good slash line, 284 yeah. batting average, 339 on base, a 408 slugging. John, a 747 OPS with a 104 OPS plus. Remember, 100 is average on OPS plus or is what uh, an average major leaguer would get. And so if anything over and above that is really, really good. And he yeah, had about, a 4.3 wins above replacement award. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, for Adley Rutschman, listen to this, 25 years old. He was uh, mostly the catcher, but he also DH'd a lot this season. So keep that in mind because he did play in 154 games. Oh, wow. And not just at the catcher position, obviously. Yeah. But in those games, Mike, he had 84 runs scored, 163 hits, 
31 doubles, one mm. triple, 20 home runs, 80 RBIs, one stolen base, 92 walks, and 101 Ks. Here's his slash line on the year, 277 average, 374 on base percentage, 435 slugging, and an 809 OPS on base plus slugging. He was good for a 128 OPS plus, so essentially wow. 28% better than league average. Again, that's 100. He was worth also 4.3 wins above replacement. Now, let's get into Logan O'Hoppy here. Yeah, 23 years old, 51 games last year. We all know that he got hurt, but he still put up some really good offensive numbers. 23 runs scored, 43 hits, 6 doubles, 14 home runs, had nine of them in, in September, 29 RBIs, and had 14 walks and 48 Ks, a slash line of 236, a batting average of 236, a 296 on base, a 500 slugging, Ooh. and a 796 OPS with a 111 OPS plus at a .6 wins above replacement. Unfortunately, we all know Logan hurt his shoulder, kept him out of most of the season, but baseball reference Johnny does a really good job to calculate a 162 game average based on the numbers for Logan and the theoretical 162. It looks really good. You want to give us those numbers? It does look really good. Uh, if, if theoretically, if he played a full season, 162 games, obviously he's not going to play all 162, but here's numbers that, that we might see in a full season, 69 runs, 136 hits, 17 doubles, 40, home runs, Mike, which everyone said he would be on pace for. Yeah. 90, 90 RBIs, 46 walks, and 148 Ks. His slash line might look something like this, a 240 average, a 302 on base, 485 slugging, a 787 OPS. That would come out to about 110 OPS plus, hmm. and he'd be worth 1.4 wins above replacement. So let's break down where Ohapi might stand against the likes of Marino and Rushman. And if we use that projected 162 stat line, here's where of the three of them, Ohapi, Marino, and Rushman, here is where Ohapi would stand. He would have been second in runs scored, mm. second in hits, third in doubles, third in triples. Get this, first in home runs and first in RBIs. Wow. Second in walks, third in strikeouts, third in batting average, third in on-base percentage, first in slugging percentage, third, or should say second in on-base plus slugging, and then finally second in OPS plus. But Mike, that's just one half of the equation because a big right. part of a player's war is how they perform defensively. So let's take a look at these three catchers and how they stack up against one another according to Baseball Savant. Why don't you start that? So blocks above average, this is how a catcher prevents pass balls and wild pitches. So Moreno had a 10 score, uh, Rutschman had a 7 score, and Ohapi had 1 on, on his rating. Uh, catcher framing runs, this converts strikes to run save. So think about it this way. How often does a catcher's framing earn his pitcher a strike versus a ball. Mm -hmm. So Rutschman had a five catcher framing runs saved. So that's good. That's positive. Mm -hmm. Moreno had a negative two and Ohapi had a negative five. And then I, I love this stat. This is, I'm a, such this a, a fun one. The, the, the catcher pop stat, Johnny, this measures the time from the moment the pitch hits the catcher's mitt that pop to the moment that the ball reaches the fielders projected receiving point at the center of second base. So he catches it, pops up, throws it down. Moreno had a 1.9 pop time 
John. Yeah. 1.9 pop time. Rutschman had a 1.91 pop time. Ohapi was a little bit behind them. He had a 2.09 pop time to second base. He was last among qualified catchers in the league. So he has some work to do there, doesn't he? Absolutely. And then there's this interesting stat. A catcher's caught stealing above average. So this comes from StatCast. It's a metric that's designed to express the way a catcher, the skill of the catcher throwing out runners on steal attempts. You got something for me over there? Yeah, I do. I got to put my glasses on because this <laughs> is, uh, we're, I think we're nerding out a little bit. So we need to uh, uh, put the nerd nerd glasses on and pull That's our right. pants up. All right, That's go right. ahead. Share that stat with me. Catchers <laughs> caught stealing above average. Uh, basically, how good a catcher is at throwing out runners on steal attempt. Marino had nine. First in the league, actually. Wow. Rushman was right there in the middle at zero. And then Ohapi was negative three. So offensively, Mike, Logan Ohapi is going to be right up there with some of the best young catchers in yeah. the league. And th- he might not have a great average, but the power, I think, yes. is going to be uh, really strong for him. And I think the average will come with more consistent playing time. When you mentioned Rutschman had a lot of DH spots this year, that's why he played 154 games. I immediately thought, like, yeah, if we have the DH spot open next season and, and Otani doesn't come back, we talked about Trout being in that DH spot, possibly Rendon. I think Ohapi as well, right? You don't want that yeah. bat out of the lineup, especially the Ohapi bat that we saw at the beginning of the year yeah. and the Ohapi bat that we saw in September. And so offensively, I think Logan has really kind of blossomed in just a small window. Defensively, John, though, it's clear that he needs to do some work behind the plate compared to those other catchers, correct? Yeah, and and I think the other thing, too, is that given that he only played 51 games and not even all of them were at catcher, I know he DH'd a couple of times after Otani was was out with the injury at the end of the season. Mike, I think that having a full season of Ohapi and then also a larger sample size of what he could do behind the dish. Hmm. I think that's going to help him out a lot when it comes to his defense. Hopefully we see him have a full and healthy season in 2024. So again, offensively, the power game goes to Ohapi compared yeah. to these two other catchers. Yeah, I'd say hitting-wise, he's probably right there in between the two of them. Defensively, he's definitely ranked last among Rushman and Marino. And I'm a culture guy, and so I love the fact that Ohapi aligns himself more with Adley Rutschman because Adley, when he gets out on that field, he has changed the game for the Orioles, and he brings a fire and a passion. He brings leadership, and you see that in Logan Ohapi with some of the things that we've heard from him this last season and some of the behaviors he's participated in, watching the other teams celebrate, and he said, I don't want to ever watch it again, sitting in the dugout after a big loss going, I don't want to have to experience this again. And so there are some intangibles that he brings to the team that him being in the lineup as often as possible would be a benefit to the Angels in 2024. Absolutely. Hey, coming up on Lockdown Angels, we're going to continue our conversation about the young studs in the Angels organization and who are with the team that we're excited about versus some young studs around the league, particularly with the Diamondbacks and the Orioles. We'll get into all of that, including Zach Neto coming right up. Locked on Angels is brought to you by Jace Medical. Hey, Johnny, remember uh, the pandemic? Remember when that happened? Maybe you don't want to remember. When I don't want to remember that, but you know what? <laughs> I was actually thinking about Jace Medical and the Jace case because did you get that dumb alarm for the earthquake in the middle yes. of the night, Mike? Yes. And I thought, what the heck? Who set this alarm off for the middle of the night? But then second, it was like, 
well, man, I'm glad I have a Jace case because right. if, if things come crumbling down, at least we have this medical kit with all of these supplies in it, right? The image that I just had in my head is is you snuggling instead of a pillow or a, like a stuffed animal, your Jace case in your That's bed. Right. <laughs> in case of emergencies, right? The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get a Jace case is to fill out a simple online form. And in some cases, you can jump on a quick call with one of their board certified physicians. And then you get ongoing care from their physicians at any uh, for any treatment related questions. The Jace case is doctor created, doctor recommended. It's not rec recommended and, and, and created by somebody on TikTok. It actually has people with education behind it. So you can be confident in that. You don't have to get caught unprepared. Everyone should be empowered to take care of themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. And Jace is going to handle everything from your online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication and the delivery of that and consultation and care. And you can get a Jace case and then get $20 off, thanks to your friends at Locked On Angels, when you go to jacemedical.com and at the checkout, just put in this code, Locked On, and again, you'll get $20 off. Visit jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Thanks for making Locked On Angels your first listen of the day. Locked On Everydayers, don't forget that uh, we are here every single Monday through Friday so we'll continue our conversation about the halos and the angels and everything from the front office to roster moves, all of that. And if, any, if there's any breaking news over the weekend, you know that you can always get our initial reactions at Lockdown Angels on Twitter and at Super Halo Bros on Twitter and Instagram. Also right here on YouTube, you can find any shorts revealing any breaking news or our initial reactions to it. So be sure you stay tuned in with us over the weekend. And of course, we'll be back here on Monday to continue our off-season Angels talk. All right, Johnny, let's talk about Zach Neto, who we both have the opinion of that is one of the key leaders for this team moving Definitely. forward, not just for next year, but for years to come. And you compared him to a player on the Diamondbacks and a player on the Orioles. So let's talk about that comparison and where Zach Neto fits. Yeah, first, uh, the Diamondbacks have Geraldo Perdomo, who's 23 years old. He primarily plays shortstop. He did play a little bit of second and third this season, but in 144 games, Mike, he had 71 runs, 100 hits, 20 doubles, four triples, six home runs, 47 RBIs, 16 stolen bases, 64 walks, and 86 strikeouts. Hmm. Uh, Perdomo's line was good for a 246 batting average, 353 on base, 359 slugging, a 712 OPS. He had a 96 OPS plus. That's about 4% worse than league average, but he hmm. was good for 2.2 wins above replacement. Now, Mike, I'll let you share this, but Gunnar Henderson of the Orioles, obviously a huge star in the making. Yeah. He actually played and split time between like third base and shortstop. He also DH'd as well. So that's why he got into 150 games. Yeah. And again, Gunnar Henderson, a young stud, 22 years old. Why don't you talk about his line? Gosh, he's the guy that's keeping Jackson Holiday in AAA. And right. they're probably going to figure out how to move Gunnar somewhere so they can bring Holiday up. What a team. How much How much young stud players they and have the fact, team. And the fact that they're using Adley and Gunnar in that DH spot yeah. just shows how much they want to keep those guys' bats in the lineup every single yeah. day. Look too. out for the Orioles coming up, right? Okay, so 150 games, 100 runs scored, 143 hits, 29 doubles, nine triples. He had 28 home runs and 82 RBIs, 10 stolen bases, 56 walks, and 159 Ks. His slash line was this, 255 batting average, 
325 on base, a 489 slugging, and an 814 OPS, and had an OPS plus of 125, 25% better than league average, 6.3 war, Johnny. Just by virtue of being on the team, the Orioles get six, about six and a half more wins by, by Gunnar Henderson being on the team. From a 22-year-old. No I love kidding. it. I now, love it. We have our own 22-year-old, Mike, yes, and that's do. Zach Neto, who, who obviously is primarily the shortstop. 84 games this season. Again, he dealt with some injuries throughout the year. He scored 38 runs, had 65 hits, 17 doubles. I didn't realize mm. that he yeah. had so many doubles this season. No triples, but he did have nine home runs, 34 RBIs, five stolen bases, 20 walks, and 77 strikeouts. That was good for a 225 average, a 308 on base percentage. 377 slugging percentage, a 685 OPS. That was good for an 86 OPS plus. That's about 14% worse than league average. Right. I think when he came back toward the end of the season, he really struggled coming back from that second time he was on the IL. Yeah. Uh, but he was good for a 1.6 war, uh, which <laughs> these days of the Angels, anything above zero for war is a good thing for the yes. Halos. Now, yes. Once again, baseball reference did kind of extrapolate what would happen if Neto played 162 games. Now, because history only shows uh, this one season, they didn't really update his slash line. So those stats remain the same. But the individual numbers of runs and hits and all that, those did change over the course of a theoretical 162 season. In this case, he scored 73 runs, 125 hits. He could have had 33 doubles. 17 home runs is what they project, 66 RBIs, 10 stolen bases, 39 walks, 148 Ks, mm. which would add up to about a 3.1 war. It's pretty good production out yeah. of a shortstop, right? Yeah, absolutely. And according to the, the full season projected numbers between Perdomo and Henderson and Neto, here's where Neto would fall with those three players. He would be second in runs, second in hits, second in home runs, second in RBIs, and second in Ks. He'd be first in doubles, and he'd be third in walks. And so he would he would fit right in and, and wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be outclassed, even though he has just come out of college, right? And, and right. just figuring things out. And so he's got such I, a great, great eye at the plate, Mike, that I think he that he does. needs to You're be right. able to, he needs to learn to go ahead and take that walk. Like, and, and that's why he struggled at the end of the year. You pointed yeah. that out because it looked like he didn't lose his eye. It just looked like he was really over aggressive in the strike zone. Right, right. Now, obviously the other side of the coin is defense. And when we talk about defense, here's where these three guys stack up. Uh, Regarding outs above average, Perdomo is number one with three. That's in the 80th percentile. Remember, the higher the percentile is, the better. Mm -hmm. uh, Neto had one outs above average. That's for the 73rd percentile. Henderson was zero, which is 57th percentile. So right about the middle of the league. But get this, arm strength-wise, Henderson ranks in the 84th percentile. Neto second with 76. And we've seen that. We've seen how good his arm can be out there at shortstop. Perdomo is 64th in terms of percentile. Now, this is a number that you and I like to use a lot, Mike. This is the ultimate zone rating. So if you had to kind of shrink down everything a defender has to do well, you can compile that into UZR or ultimate zone rating. Henderson at third base actually had a 4.9, and at wow. shortstop, a 7.9. Four ultimate zone rating. Grief. <laughs> Perdomo was 2.6 at shortstop. Neto, 
negative 1.8 yeah. at shortstop. Uh, their fielding percentage, Perdomo had a 989 fielding percentage over there at short. Neto had a 979. Henderson actually struggled the most, I was surprised to see, considering his UZR. Uh, at third base, he had a 962 fielding percentage, and at shortstop, a 969 fielding percentage. And I think this is why, right here, the errors committed from Perdomo, he had four this season, Neto had seven. Henderson had six at third base and eight at shortstop. So mm. again, Mike, I think some positive signs from the offensive side, and then perhaps a larger sample size, a full season, a regular groove and a regular rhythm would be good defensively for Zach Neto. But Mike, when you see Neto compared to those other two, where do you see Neto going in 2024 in terms of offense and defense? I think offensively, he's going in the direction that Logan Ohapi is going. I think he's going to be better because he has a good eye at the plate. And so mm -hmm. I don't see those numbers regressing. I, I see them getting better. Plus, remember, this guy was just in college mm -hmm. not too long ago. Like, it, it, it was – it's – it's funny to me that that there were some critiques of him and like, ah, oh, he's not that great. The guy was just in college and he's figuring it he was out. Studying and, for finals before yes, a college yeah. baseball. He got his report card and then he <laughs> got his he got his batting gloves, right? Um, I think on the defensive side, there will be some improvement because maturity matters out there. And we've already seen that he's smart on the defensive side of the ball, mm -hmm. growing to third base when necessary. And and I think what is going to help him, Johnny, is a consistent infield. And no disrespect to anybody that's played around him, but it has been kind of a rotation of different players. Right. And I think that when you have a consistent second baseman and even a consistent third baseman, you know how far you need to go. And I think what happened when you have Moustakas over at third base rather than maybe an Anthony Rendon is I think Zach Neto feels like he has to go and get that ball. And so mm -hmm. a couple of the plays where he made errors or maybe overthrew could have been that he was overextending himself or even a Renjifo at second base. Like I kind of have to cover up his defensive issues. And mm -hmm. so I think that plays in the mind of a lot of players. And if you have Mike Trout in center field and you have a solid second baseman, and even if it is Renjifo, I think he can adjust to who is there and know where his limits are. And that that's just part of maturity and developing as a major league baseball player. It's funny you mentioned that too. I didn't, I didn't put those stats down here, but when I was looking at, Neto on Baseball Savant, it actually breaks down how many runs above average they get when they range to their right or mm -hmm. range to their left. And I wish I could remember which one was which, but one of them was like positive four wow. and the other was negative one. And so it makes sense considering like who's to his left and who's to his right and how much he feels like he has to do. I think that makes sense in, in terms of needing consistency in terms of who's going to be a third and also who's going to be at second base next to Neto. Today's show is brought to you by Sleeper. The playoffs are a whole lot of fun, MLB playoffs specifically, and that it's time for you to jump in and you could win a chance to uh, win some money and play That's some right. fantasy baseball. So we're excited about that. In fact, you have a chance to win 100 times your money with the Sleeper app, and you can take advantage of it by simply just deciding if a player is going to underperform or overperform on stat categories like home runs, hits, or strikeouts. And listen, if you get your picks right, you could win a big payout. Download Sleeper right now. 
Use our promo code Locked On, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. And as you're on the Sleeper app, you can connect with friends, you can talk about players, you can brag about winning, or you can disappear quickly if you lost and maybe try again, <laughs> right? That's not fun, losing. And so the Sleeper app is there to help you out. It's fantasy baseball, and you can win money. The best of both worlds. Use our promo code Locked On when you download the Sleeper app today, and you'll get a $100 match on your first deposit. There are some terms and conditions that do apply. You can see sleepers terms of use for details you should check out sleeper today all right mike getting into our last conversation this one is regarding chase silseth and the reason i thought it would be important to bring him up is because of kyle bradish hmm. of the orioles remember prior to the 2020 season billy epler you're shaking your head already. I, love I don't it. want to remember. <laughs> you don't want to remember. Billy Epler traded Kyle Bradish to the Orioles in order to get Dylan Bundy back. Barf and Bundy. Barf and Bundy. And <laughs> in 2020, Dylan Bundy was actually really good, Mike. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and we thought, hey, you know what? He was a highly rated draft pick. He was, I think he was a first round pick at one point. And then he had a pretty terrible yep. 2021. Uh, I think the full season of exposure really got to him and again yeah barf and bundy thank you uh yankee stadium <laughs> and the humid weather out there on that yeah. one that was that was that was awful, it was awful. <laughs> like, i can yeah. like see it in front of my face now talking but, about okay. it makes me sick <laughs> listen kyle bradish and and it's one of those things where it's like you got to trade a piece of the future for yes. something that you feel like you need it's part now. of the game Absolutely. part of the game bradish has turned into a really solid rotation piece for the orioles so if we're going to compare some of the young starting pitching from our young studs to another team, I thought who better than Chase Silseth and Kyle Bradish? And what might the potential be for Silseth as a full-time starter in 2024? Before we get into any of that, let's talk about the results that these two had this season. Why don't you start with Kyle Bradish? Some of the really good stats for Bradish is his ERA, 283, had 168 and two-thirds innings pitched, and 168 Ks, Johnny. But here's here's a really good stat. 1.04 whip. Yeah. And a 146 ERA plus. So he had a really good year and he's starting to figure things out. 27 years old, and it might be one of the reasons why he's starting to figure things out. He's maturing as a ball player and he's starting to understand what he can and what he can't do. And so Kyle Bradish, really great, really great guy. I'm sorry we had to trade him away, part of the game, but he's really, it looks like he's starting to figure things out. As is Chase Silseth, John. I think that he's starting to figure out what kind of pitcher he is as well. Share his stats. Yeah, he's he's 23 years old, Mike, and so he's got a bright future ahead of him. I did pull his stats as purely a starter simply because he did start in the bullpen this yes. season. Yeah. And then he moved to the starter role, which I thought was a great move. So here's his stats as a starter. He went 3 and 1. He had a 3.89 ERA. He had 8 starts, 37 innings pitched, 14 walks, 46 Ks. Here's a pretty good whip. 1.189 whip. Uh, 11.2 strikeouts per nine. Bradish is only nine Ks per nine. So yeah. Silseth is really piling on the strikeouts. And a really decent 113 ERA plus. That means he's 13% better than league average. Now that accounts for his time as a starter and a reliever. I kind of feel like if you remove some of his relief appearances, that his ERA plus Hmm. would actually be higher because there were some situations where like 
he blew a save or he gave up some runs. Mike, I think he's just built to be a starting pitcher, and yeah. I hope that that's what the Angels do for him in 2024. Now, I thought this was a really good exercise, and so what we've done here is we've taken some of the stat cast metrics for both Bradish and Silseth, and we want to compare the two of them. And remember, the higher percentile, that means that that's the better pitcher. And mm -hmm. it might not be a wide margin, but still a better pitcher in that category. So in terms of the fastball velocity from these two, Silseth is in the 64th percentile with a 94.8 average on his fastball velocity. Bradish is right behind him in the 62nd percentile at 94.7. Now here's where the numbers get good. The expected batting average for both these guys, Silseth is at 235. Bradish is at 239. So Silseth wins that one in the 61st percentile. Bradish is 55th. The average exit velocity, remember you want that velocity to be lower off mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. Silseth is in the 57th percentile at 88.7 on average miles per hour. Bradish, ooh, 23rd percentile at 90 miles per hour wow. off the bat. Now, Mike, why don't you read off some of these here, starting with the chase percentage, the amount of times that guys chase on pitches from Bradish and Silsa. Yeah, Bradish is, is better here. He's in the 35, uh, 35th percentile, and Silseth is 23rd percentile. Silseth has a 26.7 chase percentage, and Bradish has a 27.7 Isn't it funny how it's like 1% yeah. makes all the difference between 23rd and yeah. 35th, but you have to account for all the other pitchers in MLB who sit at that same stat line too. Yeah. With percentage, Silseth is 27.4, Bradish 25.9. Silseth is in the 61st percentile and Bradish is in the 47th. Again, just two percentage points difference. Strikeout percentage, Silseth 64th percentile, 25.3. And then Bradish 61st, 25%. Walk percentage, Silseth, got to work on it. 11th percentile. He has an 11.8 walk percentage. Bradish, doesn't need to work on it. 77th percentile, 6.6 <laughs> percentage. And then barreling percentage, Silseth is in the 16th percentile at 10.2. And Bradish, 68th percentile at 6.9. Hard hit percentage, Silseth, 25th with a 42.3 percentage and then Bradish 27th with a 42 point or 42 percentage and then ground ball percentage which both do really well and I think at Angel Stadium this is a benefit to a lot of yeah a lot of our on the defensive side why we need good defense and and both are in the 80th percentile Silseth is a bit behind Bradish he has a 48.9 ground ball percentage and then Bradish has a 49.1 we're, we're splitting hairs there right exactly like, yeah and that's like, Same guy <laughs> that's what stands out to me Mike is like look how similar their stat categories are and their percentile sure. rankings are in a lot of these categories obviously ground ball hard hit percentage uh Bradish definitely does better in the walk and barrel percentage um the fact that Silseth has a better strikeout and whiff percentage is great news for us. Um, very similar in their fastball velocity. It's not that much of a difference at 94.8 and 94.7. So, Mike, we've got a younger guy here who has very comparable um, like metrics and data that... Mm -hmm stacks up to Kyle Bradish, right? Mm -hmm. And the mm -hmm. thing is about Bradish is he's going into his third full season at the majors in 2024. Yeah. Yeah. Silseth 
hasn't even had a full year of starting yet. Right. So right. what kind of things do you think we can expect from Silseth in 2024? Okay, lean in. Everybody lean in. I'm okay. Gonna, I'm going to whisper this. I think Silseth is next year's ace. Ooh. I think he's next year's ace, Johnny. And I know he has a lot of work to do. I know that he is still young, but there's something about this guy, bro. There's something about him. I think he's our next year top of the line starter. I could even see him being the opening day starter. Probably won't be because they'll probably give that nod to somebody else. Sure. But I could see him being next year's opening day starter because he's got something in him that just really focuses in. He pitches intellectually. He is able to go against really good pitchers. I think, or yeah, pitchers and teams. I think about that start against the Braves when we were starting that big run against good teams and, and he got us the only win. Right? right. And so I think that there's something about this guy that perhaps in 2024, when we think about who our ace is, Chase Silseth is going to come up. Now this applies to Chase Silseth, but it also applies to Neto and Ohapi. You have to build on this. Yep. You can't let these guys regress, which yep. means the coaching staff, the, the whoever the manager is going to be, they have to build on this this baseline because this is a really excellent baseline. When Chase still sets, <laughs> like like metrics look like Kyle Bradish, you have to build on that. We Absolutely. cannot have regression next season, and the Angels need to figure out how to build off of the framework that's already here. Thanks for making Locked On Angels your first listen of the day. You want to reach out to us? We'd love to comment. You can comment below, or you can talk to us on social media. John, let them know where they can find us. Yeah, get at us at Locked On Angels on Twitter and at Super Halo Bros on Twitter and Instagram. The best place you can reach us right away is in the YouTube comments. So if you're watching or listening, come on over to YouTube, find today's episode, and get in our comments the best way to reach out to us and get in on the conversation. Mike, what do we have on deck for tomorrow's show? Well, Monday the, show. It's Monday. It's, it's a Monday. Yeah. Come on. The, the benefit to being really terrible during the regular season means that you could possibly get a really good draft pick. And so we're going to talk about where the Angels will land and share a couple of names of some players that the Angels could possibly draft. That's Monday on Locked on Angels. All right. Looking forward to that conversation. We hope you guys have a great weekend and that you'll come back and join us on Monday. Until then, my name is John, and that's my brother, Mike. And my name is Mike, and that's my brother, John. Thanks for being here, and we'll see you back here on Monday. Monday.